This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Five victory. Cowboys win. This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome again to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by my co-host Brian Broaddus. Uh, co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. Brian, how's it going? You ready for uh, camp here? I am ready for camp, Robert. I got everything in one suitcase, which is always a challenge. But I think as part of being a scout, you learn how to pack. And you learn how to pack where you don't have to check bags because you are reading about all the things about all these airlines being short staffed. So I'm worried about my bag being on a plane yeah. for an hour and a half after I arrive. So I'm doing all I can. I know there's a really good wash interior there in uh, Oxnard. So you bring five days worth of clothes. And then when you get to your fifth set of clothes, you go to the laundry mat, wash your clothes, and then you got another five days of clothes. And that's all I need for this trip. See, I'm always a, a really light packer and I do pretty well. I'm annoyed that I will be checking bags because I like, I pride myself on packing so little, but like, you know, we got to deliver these podcasts while we're out there. So I'm going to have recording equipment ah. and I don't trust checking the recording equipment. So the recording equipment will be the carry on and then I'm checking all my clothes. So I'm hoping I go. don't get there without any clothes. Uh, but I think you and I are one in the same, right? We, we don't like flying that much. No. And it's funny, as I mentioned, being in my profession of being a scout, you travel quite a bit. And I've learned over the years uh, that last trip I ever went on with the Cowboys was the trip to Buffalo. They got beat. It was the Kellen Moore game that they started. Yeah. That Kellen started, and which was a weird trip in itself because Kellen's wife flew on the plane with us, and I don't think we've ever experienced that. But uh, yeah, he made the start, and then we flew home, and it was basically the weather was just horrible uh, in Texas, and you know we end up having to divert to Houston refuel, come back through all the bad weather. And I told Derek Eagleton, I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not traveling with you guys anymore. And then that's how I started doing studio stuff. Me and Lindsey Draper, Cowboys pre and post game show from the star. That's really just a bad experience flying on an airline. Uh, It birthed the uh, Dallas Cowboys pre and post game show from the star. So, uh, yeah, that, if there was something bad out of something that made something good, I, I think that was what the I think that's what happened there. Yeah, I usually uh, every plane I've ever gotten on, I'm always convinced like this is the one that's gone down. Yeah. And, you know, people always say, oh, you know, the chances are like one in three million. It's like I feel like three million planes have taken off since the last time I flew. So, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. cheating death every time I get on. Yeah. Uh, all right. But we'll, we'll we should be good. I'm looking forward to getting out there in Oxnard. Me too. I really am. Yeah. With you. Uh, now, when we get out to Oxnard, the big question, I was saving this until our last show before Oxnard, and I wanted us to go over 
the 53-man roster projection. And people always like to chirp about this and get upset. That, you know, maybe they're like, why did you keep these guys on offense and not these guys on defense? And in one area in particular where that happens a lot is they'll say, well, we're heavier on defenses here, so they could carry more defensive players than offense. I'm telling you, it's almost like just a guarantee about, I think, only one time in the last 15 years the team hasn't ended up with 25 on offense, 25 on defense, and three special teamers. And so uh, you can pretty much guarantee that that's how they'll split it up, that they'll divide up the roster pretty evenly in terms of those numbers. So I'm going to just assume we have 25 and 25 on offense and defense, but it has occasionally happened before where they may have an extra defender or an extra offensive player. Uh, But even still, that usually gets corrected after a couple days when they put people on IR or do whatever they're going to do. But I'm looking at this list, and so we're going to take the offense first, and I've just assumed that we'll have 25 there. And so, Brian, how would you like to do this? Would you like to just do position by position? Yeah, I think position by position. And to kind of follow up what you're saying, Bones Fossil will have a big say in those final. I'm not just talking about his special teams, uh, his special teams guys. Uh, he will have a say in maybe two or three others yep. uh, that will make this football team. And, you know, you look at a guy like, will it come down like with a C.J. Goodwin? You know, will it come down to Noah Brown? Will it come down to there is always going to be that one or two guys that make the roster because of Bones Fossils. And you can and you can say, well, they're only going to carry three specialists. When in actuality, they're going to carry five is what they're right. going to do. And, yeah. and they might take one of those positions from the offense, might take one of it from the defense. I mean, you don't count on C.J. Goodwin playing like snaps – on defense if he's playing you're probably going to lose the football game in that regard trouble. yeah so yeah but there will be one or two extra guys that when it comes down to it the special teams coach will fight will mcclay mike mccarthy stephen jones and jerry jones to keep those guys on the roster first group on offense uh, and i'll just quickly without naming the players just kind of break down how i have it i ended out with nine offensive linemen four tight ends six receivers four running backs and two quarterbacks starting off with the quarterbacks i think cooper rush and dak prescott now they did carry will greer at times last year they did have three at a time and mike mccarthy is a quarterback guy um but i think there's just going to be a couple areas especially assuming you're gonna have to hold on to michael gallup for a few weeks without him being on top right just gonna have to make a sacrifice somewhere and that's probably quarterback just my own opinion no I think you're absolutely right there I think that you know uh every year it seems that the practice squad rules change and so you could carry like veteran guys on your practice squad and you know those were COVID rules and stuff and I think that the around the league that the uh the teams appreciated having the flexibility to be able to do that yeah so Ben DiNucci Will Greer, one of those guys is going to end up on your practice squad, likely as your third guy. Uh, next group, the running backs. And I had a little bit of a tough time with this. So the the running backs that I picked, I picked four of them, including a fullback. So it's Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. I've got Malik Davis instead of Rico Dowdle, just because I we haven't yeah. seen Dowdle uh, out at these practices just with, you know, recovering from the hip injury. So I don't know 
how ready he'll be. Malik Davis is somebody who does a lot of different things. He's pretty complete. He's not just a, you know, one trick pony. So uh, I've got that. And then I've got Ryan Nall as the fullback that can make it. It could be Nick Ralston or Ryan Nall, but yeah. I think they're outside Ryan Nall for a reason. Yeah. yeah, Bob, I, you know, when I did my team and I, I had, I separated as the 20 guys that I thought were locks. And then I have the guys like you're talking about. We mentioned Will Greer, Dowdell, Davis, Nall, Rostlin. I, I, you know, I, I kind of feel like that I'm trying to figure out out of that group. I know about Davis. He catches the ball extremely well. He's not an explosive player. You know, how well will he play on special teams? I think the thing with, with Rico is that, you know, how bad is that hip? Is it coming along? You know, is, is it going to be a problem for him? Kind of getting the vibe that, you know, that he was going to be able to practice and things like that. So I, I think the fact that he plays special teams, that might be one of those guys that we think about with the Bones Fossil. You know, do yeah. we, who's the, th- the third running back in Jerry Jones' mind? And I've lived this with him before. The third running back has to play special teams for Jerry Jones. Yeah, that's just, a, that's something he's always, always, always believed. So I'll be interested to see between Dowdell Davis. I can say Nall, Ralston. Does that mean, okay, there's going to be a true fullback? Or does that keep a guy like Jeremy Sprinkle? And I noticed in, in your group, you know, we'll get down to the tight ends. I know you carried uh, four tight ends. Yep. And see, I didn't have Sprinkle on my list because I'm thinking, okay, is it going to be Sprinkle? Is it going to be Nall? Is it going to be Ralston? Or are they going to use Connor McGovern again if he's not the starter as that fullback guy? So I'm I'm, I'm kind of debating about, those four guys that I mentioned, uh, you know, as side guys with, uh, like I say, just carrying uh, the the backs and the tight ends the way I have them right yeah, now. Yeah, and, and Dowdle was initially going to be their kick returner last year. And you right. mentioned Davis not, you know, having being a big speed guy. Rico Dowdle does have some juice. And so, I mean, I think they liked him and they wanted him to come into that role. The, the injuries have just been tough for him. Nall, I just looked at, I know he will play special teams. I know he'll catch out of the backfield. He'll do some different things. And so Nall just seemed to make some sense to me in terms of they also went out and they they made sure to go get him this offseason. Like he was right. somebody that signed and brought in. Um, so I feel like somebody in there's got a, you know, a, a little bit of an affinity for him. Uh, he has a the, sponsor, as you would say. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. that's as you would say. I, I just, I, I co-opted the phrase. Uh, the receiver group, I've got. CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, not ready to play right away, but I think he'll be close enough that they're not going to put him on pup. Uh, James Washington, Jalen Tolbert, Simi Fihoko, and Noah Brown. So that's six, but you're really operating with about five uh, to start the season. Yeah, I, I, I like what you did there. And to me, again, I, I the, the top five that you have with Lamb, Gallup, Washington, Tolbert, and Fihoko, I like what you did there. I think the possibility that that sixth wide receiver, if, again, Bones Fossil doesn't fight for Noah Brown or Noah Brown doesn't show up, it might be real easy for him to move on. The sixth wide receiver in my book could be a guy that they pick up off waivers. Maybe there's a guy out there that they like a little bit better that showed up. Maybe they find a Cedric Wilson type of a player. I'm not saying they get Cedric Wilson – but a type where you get a special teamer and a guy that you feel like you can develop as a wide receiver. So 
I would keep an eye on Noah Brown's spot, and or especially that sixth wide receiver spot uh, for a possible uh, waiver wire pickup or maybe even a trade if things look a little messy with that group. Tight end group, I've got four of them, like you mentioned. I've got Schultz, McEwen, Sprinkle, and Ferguson, mainly uh, because I felt like I could go a little shorter on the offensive line. We'll jump to the offensive line in a sec, but I thought I could go shorter there because of kind of the flexibility of the guys that they pick, guys who can play multiple positions. I don't know that they need to necessarily run super heavy there. And I think they did like Sprinkle last year and what he was able to contribute. And, uh, you know, with Dalton Schultz likely on his way out after this year, I just think that, you know, okay, we've got a, a veteran back here who can help McEwen and Ferguson along. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right about there. I have Sprinkle myself on that to keep an eye on list. I don't have him as one of my initial 20 because I, I'm looking, okay, what role is he going to play? Is he going to be just a blocker, a, a point of attack player? You know, I, I don't know if you can have a roster spot just for a guy like that. I need to see him play special teams. You know, when you watch the special teams practices, is he getting reps with the one punt team? Is he, you know, I mean, he's not the most nifty guy running, so to me, it's basically field goal team, field goal protection, and then maybe a blocking tight end. I don't know if that's enough to have a roster spot. See, the only reason why I would have Sprinkle in there right now is that I don't know that they think Jake Ferguson has an NFL body yet. I think they think he needs more time in a strength program. And so I think Ferguson is one of these guys where they can't practice squad stash him. And right. so he's, he's, you know, he's not somebody that I think I, – I think Ferguson might be the fourth tight end coming out of camp. Okay. And so Sprinkle would sort of function as the third tight end, actually getting those snaps whenever they I play. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I, I just need to find a spot for him the way. And, you know, if you if you feel like and if we get there and we get the discussion where it looks like that Jake Ferguson is getting overpowered yep. at point of attack plays and it's evident that he's not ready and he needs to be redshirted and inactive every week, well, then, uh, then Jeremy Sprinkle makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Or one of the other tight ends, you know, that we've uh, Ian Bunting or somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, somebody coming along. And I think Hendershot, Peyton Hendershot, the undrafted free agent from Indiana, I think he ends up on the practice squad. I think they stash him similar to the way they did. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Offensive line, I picked nine. I think you roll in there with Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin, Terrence Steele. Then the reserves are Connor McGovern, Matt Willetsko, Matt Farniok. And of uh, Aviante Collins, I've got McGovern who can play guard center. I've got Farniak who can play guard center. I've got Willetsko who can play either side at tackle. Uh, Aviante Collins who can play either side tackle. And also Collins who has some experience playing inside a guard. So that's ultimately why I kept the nine, especially with Tyler Smith on, you know, starting there, being able to do some guard tackle stuff. So I think with the flexibility they have across the offensive line, that they run a little bit lighter there and go with nine. Yeah, I I, I I had Collins as my over on the side guy to take a look at. Kind of he and Josh Ball competing for that yeah. last spot. I think you've got it nailed, uh, but who is the last tackle going to be? Um, I don't see – I know they really like you know what you and I have learned about uh, Impey from BYU, the yeah. center – Lindstrom, I think, is a, a probably a year away. That's another probably practice squad stash right there. Just not a strong enough guy, but he's super athletic. These guys are going to get a lot of work in training camp. They're going to get a lot of work in preseason games. 
you wonder about losing one of those guys if they show up. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You you know, if all of a sudden that MP looks like he's a little bit of an older guy at 25, Lindstrom, I love the athletic ability. I had a really high grade on him. Matter of fact, I had him graded higher than MP when uh, coming out of, uh, of college's past draft. So you got to be careful if you're going to try and sneak one of these guys through, if all of a sudden we start to see that they're playing well in the preseason, maybe that means, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Farniak, we're going to put you out there and, and, you know, instead of that, but Farniak in the mini camps OTAs showed some flexibility to be able to play some guard too. So that, that in itself, I think Josh ball, I think is, is really skating on thin ice and Collins seems like the guy that, might make this team just about because of the a veteran guy that they probably don't want to go with, well, let's go as the backup in case something happens. You're listening to the Love of the Star. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, transitioning over to the defensive side of the ball now, uh, and this is where I had a I had a lot of trouble here trying to cut this down, and I felt like there were a lot of guys that you know three or four guys that I felt like could easily make this football team, and I wasn't totally confident in moving on from them. Uh, but went with twenty five again on the defensive side of the ball. We'll start with the defensive line, Brian. I got nine. I got Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, Sam Williams. Those are like your pure edge rushers. I've got the Oso Digizua, John Ridgeway, and Neville Gallimore, the pure tackles, and then the tackle and flexible guys, Chauncey Golston and Carlos Watkins. Uh, no Tristan Hill, and I mm-hmm. surprised myself with no Quentin Bohanna. I did not go into that thinking I was going to cut Bohanna from the roster. Um, but ultimately we end up with nine D linemen and, and Bohanna and Tristan Hill on the outside. Yeah. I like what you did. Uh, the guys on the side that I have the question marks about are Hill. I do have a question about Watkins cause I kept Bohanna mm-hmm. and then I moved on from Basham here is what I did in my, my thing. So, uh, I will, uh, you know, those are all spots, the two defensive tackle spots, Hill, Watkins, Bohanna. Uh, maybe there's somebody out of that group that you don't uh, don't particularly like, or they don't particularly play well, or others play well. So that's that's the one that I'm going to keep an eye on, and then Basham. I just think there's too many defensive ends, and I, I kind yeah. of feel like they would move on from him. Yeah, I think that Basham. I, I've got Basham off the team as well. 
Um, and I think it's just a numbers game for him. And maybe that's one of those guys that we've talked about before that you get near the end of camp, you need a receiver, you need something else, and you go, okay, well, let's flip some depth here for a guy we're already going to cut. Um, and so perhaps Basham becomes a guy that they trade. But I also agree, Carlos Watkins was the very last name I put on defensive line. So, you know, I think we've got the same four guys that are potentially on the cut list there with Watkins, Basham, uh, Hill, and then uh, Bohanna. But Bohanna, I just, I, I you know, it, it was, I don't think you saw enough last year. And, I mean, you and I have talked a little bit. We're starting to hear that they're really, really high, not just as a football player, but as a culture guy on John Ridgeway. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, with Ridgeway already here, Gallimore playing straight up tackle and playing some of that one technique, them moving Golston inside to play tackle. I just, I looked at the numbers and I said, you know, it's down to Bohanna or Watkins and Watkins can play inside or out. And so ultimately that's kind of what led me there. Yeah. Uh, looking at the linebacker group now. Now, this is one where I guess if I wanted to keep 10 defensive linemen, I could have just kept five linebackers. Uh, but ultimately, with Parsons rushing as much as he does, I felt like you were maybe only keeping four if you did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the six linebackers I went with, Micah Parsons, Jabril Cox, Leighton Vanderesh, Devin Harper, who really impressed at some of those OTA practices, uh, Luke Gifford, and then the very last spot I was looking at it going Malik Jefferson or Aaron Hansford from a and uh, I ultimately w- went with Aaron Hansford because I, I do know that Dan Quinn's a fan there. Um, and so those are the linebackers that I've got. Parsons, Cox, Van Der Esch, Harper, Gifford, and Hansford. Yeah, I think that you're on something right there. I, I like the list. I'm I'm interested in the last two guys of this with Gifford again. This could be a guy, a veteran guy. Is this a Bones Fossil fight for special teams guy? That's yep. how he initially made the roster as being a special teams guy. He got hurt. I mean, he showed up in training camp. He's always been one of those guys that survives because of training camp. He finds a way to make the team. I'm looking forward to, again, I know I was saying looking forward to it, but with Hansford, I'd also keep an eye on this spot as a potential claim or trade type of situation. Maybe you find a way, too, that you get um, – you know, maybe this is where Anthony Barr all of a sudden fits in. Yeah. That they look at their group and they, you know, Anthony Barr, uh, you're fighting the Washington Commanders. Uh, he wants to play in Dallas because he feels like it's a better team. Uh, the price comes down. I know talking to people, you and I on the uh, 105.3 yesterday on our segment uh, talked about that maybe this was dead right now. I talked to people last Friday that were like, if the price comes down, that seems like a direction that they might go. So this could change when we get to camp, but I would keep an eye on that spot. Wide receiver, linebacker, two spots of possible trades, possible claims, maybe something we get to the final cut that they really don't like the group, the last two guys they like in their group. Well, and uh, George Edwards, we know, has some influence over there. Everson Griffin ended up here uh, in large part because of, of what, George Edwards had to say about him. J. Ron Curse ended up here and got some opportunities because of that. So Anthony Barr and, and their time together in Minnesota would make a lot of sense. Uh, it's just it's got to make sense at the right price. And we've it shown- does have to make sense. And, and you know, and talking to my gang of seven, the, and then my gang of seven are the general managers and player personnel directors around the league. Yep. They're all in agreement, agreeance that I think I used the right word. They're all, they all agree that that uh, that Barr. The possibility of injury is there. 
But if you can get him for those 10 to 12 games, it really, if you pair him up with Micah Parsons, you could have something pretty special there, rushing the Russian quarterbacks. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's one of those where we, we've seen the, the price just has to, you know, come down to the right spot for them because we've mm-hmm. seen uh, two other talented veteran players this offseason that wanted to come to Dallas but wouldn't take the amount Less of money. money. Right, right. Bobby Wagner and Vaughn Miller. Yeah. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see if Anthony Barr, who's still on the market and may wait it out a while and go, okay, you know what? It's getting closer to the season. Let me just go ahead and do that. Um, looking at the secondary now, I broke this up into six corners and four safeties. And, oh, didn't necessarily feel great about a lot of this. Uh, but the corners, I take Trayvon Diggs, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, Kelvin Joseph, Deron Bland, and then I've got uh, Nashawn Wright there. Um, but I, I think this is a big camp for Nashawn Wright, and and I don't necessarily think Deron Bland has a guaranteed spot, but I mean, he is somebody that they just picked, fifth rounder, he can play safety, he can play inside, he can play outside. Um, so I think Bland is in all likelihood here, and then it just comes down to, uh, you know, if they want to give Wright one more shot as being a third-round pick, uh, give him a shot to hang on the back of the roster. But, you, you know, you've talked before about, Hey, I don't need Jalen Tolbert to miss time. I need him to be healthy and right. need to be healthy. Sean Wright's got to be healthy. We can't have what we've had over the summer, which is just him missing practices the whole time. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. And, you know, I, with Wright, you know, somebody, uh, matter of fact, this morning on Twitter, you know, would listen to the my Krusty's Corner yesterday when I did a little bit of this roster manipulation and I talked about Wright, and I said, hey, there might be a possibility that he's not here. And then the, everybody was like, you know, wait a minute, Brian. He's, he was a high draft pick. Why would you not keep him around? And there comes a point in time where eventually you have to start to play. You have to find a way to not be a guy that's just the sometime player. You know, you have to find ways to, to make this happen. And I think Wright's to that point. I think McQuamu is to that point, too. I yep. mean, you've got a couple of guys in Taylor Stewart at corner and then also a Bell at safety that if they play better, you know, if Bell plays better than McQuamu, he deserves to make this football team. If Taylor Stewart plays better than Wright, he deserves to make this football team. So, I, you know, you, you can make mistakes in the draft. The Cowboys don't make many of them. But if McQuamu and Wright both show they can't play – then then somebody's going to have to step up. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's Taylor Stewart or Bell in that regard. Yeah, I think Isaac Taylor Stewart is a guy who could play really well during training camp. I would just, you know, a, a lot of times there's a, I think teams think of it in line with, all right, but this guy was an undrafted free agent for a reason. We can get him to the practice squad. And so even if somebody's better, um, I, I think that, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if Isaac Taylor Stewart has a better training camp than Nashawn Wright, but uh, Nashawn Wright being a guy that they drafted and have something invested in, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, well, we'll give him another shot. We can get Isaac Taylor Stewart to the practice squad and, uh, you know, just move forward from there. And then on the safety group, I've got four of them. And this is this was tough for me because I've, I've got Donovan Wilson, J. Ron Curse, Malik Hooker. I do have Marquise Bell making it. Uh, I, I was I was really trying to find a way to get uh, Tyler Coyle 
to the team because I think if Malik Hooker gets hurt, which is always a possibility, then uh, you know, you're really stuck without a true free safety because Wilson's a strong curse is a, a safety hybrid linebacker and Bell is a curse starter kit. Uh, so I, you know, I went with these four, but I don't totally feel great about leaving Tyler Coyle off. I had him on my list. I, 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 oh. I had, I had McQuamu off and I had Bell off as look at guys. Mm-hmm. I had Coyle on just for the reason that you said, if you need a true free safety, he appears to be the one guy that could be that you've, you've, you pointed out his athletic testing numbers. I think those numbers show up when you watch him play. Yeah. So I had him on my initial list. And then the questions I mentioned, well, McQuamu and Bell as, okay, maybe one of those two guys play better than Quill. But I'll, I'll see if that's the case. But for just a true free safety um, need, I, I kept him on my roster. Yeah, and I left off, as you mentioned, and, and it's probably wrong. I, I probably shouldn't have done it, but I did leave off C.J. Goodwin. That's going to likely be a a Bones uh, special and somebody that bought. But it's just it, I ran into the secondary numbers, and I was like, I don't know where else I can run light over here than I already have. I felt like I'm running as light as I can. Maybe that is ultimately that what ends Nashawn Wright's time, though. But Nashawn Wright was a guy who was also playing special teams last year, and I think it had some moments where he contributed. Um, he also had that that error in the Denver game with the block punt and then touching it going. I mean, that was just bad luck. But, uh, you know, a lot of cuts here that were, were a little tough for me. Didn't have Tyler Coyle, didn't have uh, C.J. Goodwin, didn't have Tristan Hill, didn't have Quentin Bohanna. Um, and then, of course, the the specialist, uh, Jake McQuaid, the long snapper, Brian Anger, the punter. And then a kicker, I've got uh, Jonathan Garibay. I think you like Liram Hyralahu, though, for the kicking job, right? I do like Kyle Lahu. Yes, I sure do. So I think when we have, but I think we're in agreement, a long snapper, a punter, and a kicker. Uh, so, Brian, anything else that stand out to you here that goes like, uh, right, this 53-man roster, that's just, that's not right. We need to have that. No, I, I think that, I think you've got this thing wired pretty well. Um, like I said, keep an eye on wide receiver and linebacker for possible trade, signing, uh, you know, it, you know, they're going to they're going to evaluate. They're going to have a couple of tough cuts. I think they're going to have some tough cuts in the secondary. I think they're going to have some tough cuts in the defensive line. And but when you say tough cuts, it's about some of these guys play themselves off the team. They just don't. You know, Tristan Hill could get hurt, and we've had, you know he he looks good for four practices, then he gets hurt, and then he's out of sight, out of mind, guy. But if I had to say, if I had to say. Wide receiver, linebacker, two spots I think that they can add uh, and try and upgrade from what they currently have. I, I know you've got Bohanna, um, but let's say so. So removing Bohanna from the list of the guys that I'm I'm skipping here, or that you also have have off the roster here. Uh, do, do you have Goodwin on your roster, or do you have him off? I have him currently on the roster because I just like I mentioned in the opening. I think Bones Fossil is going to going to get two guys for special teams. So special teams number goes from three to five for me. I think there's going to be two guys that the that the front office gives him because they're just those core special teams guys, and and he fits that mold for me. Maybe they find somebody better 
than Noah Brown at wide receiver that can play special teams. I know we did an episode where we the Cowboys traded for several wide receivers or looked at several wide receivers that yeah. had special teams backgrounds, whether it's tackling, returning, punt, or kickoff might be something they go forward with. Yeah, which, uh, you know, I know we spent a lot of time in one episode talking about a couple guys that Robert Prince had coached, Chris Conley and Chris Moore in Houston, both with, uh, especially Moore with some special teams, uh, you know, background. That, of course, complicated this week by the announcement that John Mechie's fighting leukemia and that that, you know, makes him unavailable in their receiver room. So I would guess that there's not a likelihood that they're going to move on uh, from either of those guys at this point. But uh, I guess just looking at the roster, uh, you do you have a harder time letting go of if you had to guess that one of these guys is on Basham, Hill, or let's say Ball? Which of those three do you think that we have off right now that you think could be on? I would say I would probably rank. I just think they've got plenty of defensive ends, especially with the fact that Golston's playing tackle and could play end. So I feel like that maybe Hill would be the guy that – and I here I am, I, I just – I crushed him earlier about his health. Hey, but, health and attitude. Those but, are his- but he's going to – but you know what, Bobby, when we're out there practice starting on Wednesday and, you know, and watching it, he's going to flash. He's going to yep. flash quickness. He's going to flash up the field. He's going to flash. And so can he carry it over to win the pads – uh, you know, when the pads start on August 1st, that Monday, can he carry it over? And that's 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 kind of his game. It's flash, it's disruptive, but it's also injury. It's also, oh, hyperextended elbow. Oh, it's hyperextended knee. Oh, it's wrist. It's I mean, he's always got something wrong with him. I know I just said wrist, but watch. Something will happen where you want to, you want to like and think he's a reliable guy, but in in deep down inside, he's not. And I think that's what's going to be tough for this football team because Basham seems to be reliable. Hill seems to not be reliable. Ball seems to spit the bit when it comes to when it comes to uh, strength. Uh, you know, he's just not the, the one year that he had off. He didn't have to play any football. All he had to do was live in the weight room. And it doesn't appear that he got stronger. Even the organization's talking about that as well. Yeah, it's. I, I think that that's going to be tough for Josh Ball to make this roster. Um, and and we'll ha- I'll have this fifty-three man roster here post over at one hundred five three thefan dot com, so you guys can uh, take a look at that if you want to see it in written form. Uh, you're listening to the Love the Star podcast. Uh, the Love the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it's time for uh, some Twitter questions, which I had some backlogged, and so I wanted to clear some out before uh, we got going to training camp, get some of these out there and and finish these up uh, before they became a little bit less relevant as we got into camp. So first question here is from Chase. He says, how is Jalen Tolbert going into camp, leading guy to be wide receiver one when Gallup is back? And yes, that is a question. So uh, I guess basically do we believe that he is currently ahead of uh, James Washington. I don't know if he currently is. He probably is just because James Washington didn't practice with that tendonitis or whatever he had uh, in his ankle. Um, and so just the fact that Tolbert was available probably has him a little bit ahead. But I just I think regardless, once they're both on the practice field, I think Tolbert is the better player. And I, I think that'll kind of stand out once we get to camp. But I thought when he did practice and he did work with Dak, the little we got to see, I thought he looked good. 
Yeah, I, I, I tell you with Tolbert, and I wonder how much extra work he's gotten with Dak since the the OTAs and the mini camps. You know, Dak, and we always talk about the Dak yard uh, mm-hmm. where he has players come over and throw around, and you know they could work at the at the star as well. Uh, you know, Dak's one of those guys we always know about hard work, and you know Tolbert's a situation too where he needs to come in and hit the ground running. They're going to rely on him, him and Washington both. The Cowboys do not need to have these practices where all of a sudden the receivers aren't any good, you know, and it makes it look really bad. And all of a sudden here you're trying to get ready for Tampa, and then C.D. Lamb is the only one that's doing anything any good. Uh, They need Washington. They need Tolbert. They need guys to step up and show that they can be reliable, uh, you know, going forward. And and Tolbert collegiately was – I thought he was outstanding. And his ability to make plays – so. The learning curve for wide receivers tends to be a little smaller, uh, but I, I can say I, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see if he comes in and can stay healthy, fight through all the soreness, and be a productive, reliable guy by the time they leave camp. Well, one of the things that I think we saw at camp that was really encouraging was you saw that that last practice, that uh, mandatory minicamp practice with Dak and Tolbert, they were talking the entire time with each other about what they were seeing and I mean, between every snap, it was basically Dak and Tolbert talking, uh, less Dak talking on the whole huddle, more Dak just talking directly to Jalen Tolbert. So I think they're getting in that work and and trying to, you know, make sure that they've got that chemistry down. I think that Tolbert could very easily come out of this as a training camp star and and be a guy who has a lot of highlight reel plays. And uh, I I think he's got a chance to, you know, at this level, I, I think he's got a real chance to be a player at or above the ability of Michael Gallup um, just that, you know, not right away, but I think that he's a player who his ceiling, which I know you love that term ceiling. I think his ceiling, his ability is that, that could surpass Michael Gallup. Uh, I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. I think you, you're dead spot on with that one. Next question here from Jerry. And I guess we can tie Tolbert to this a little bit. Uh, lack does the lack of free agent moves suggest they are all in with their 2021 22 draft picks um so i think that when they decided this offseason they wanted to fix the intangibles and address the toughness and the character and things like that i think that they did address a lot of that through the draft the guys that they picked this year tyler smith sam williams jalen tolbert John Ridgeway, uh, you know, they picked a lot of guys with edge and toughness. Jake Ferguson, blue collar guy, a Wisconsin tight end comes from Barry. Clark at LSU is a tough guy. And, and, he, and, you're, and he's not going to, you know, he hopefully will be with you at some point in the season, but that is a tough guy from LSU. Absolutely. Yeah, he wore 18, 18. And that's yeah. uh, that yeah. leader special number. number. Yep. And so, uh, and I mean, we kind of referenced this a little bit and, you know, without getting into specifics, um, yeah, more hopefully stuff we can figure out when we get to camp. I know that there is a lot of a lot of trust, and I think they have some big plans for John Ridgeway in terms of with the culture and what they're doing in the locker room. Um, and, and I think that Ridgeway is a guy that I think they believe is is captain material down the road at some point. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that that's a a good way to look at it. Tolbert, who we just mentioned there, I think part of the reason why Tolbert's here over maybe some other receivers that they would have been looking at is for the factor that he's got juice. He's got a little bit of an edge. You asked him when we did the draft show about, you know, chirping at the defensive backs a little bit. He'll talk. He's out there and he's talking. I think, 
you know, in the receiver room specifically, but on the team as a whole, I think they've missed the juice that Des Bryant used to bring at practice. And I think that that's something that they want to cultivate a little bit more. Yeah, you said that about Tolbert, and I asked him that question. He said sometimes you have to remind them that they're not doing their job, you know, kind of a thing. So, yeah, I, I think that it'll be it'll be a good study this summer to see how far along he really is. There's going to be some days where we're going to talk about him, and it might not be great because he's yep. tired, he's sore, uh, he had a bad day catching the ball, he didn't connect like he needed to connect. Ben DiNucci missed him when he was wide open. He might get frustrated. You know, there's things like that 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 plays into these receivers' mind. And there's a lot of pressure on this kid because they they're not going to have they're not going to have Michael Gallup for that first game. And we'll see about the second game. But he he needs to grow up quickly for this organization. Brian, I think this is more a question for you because uh, you know this is this wouldn't be you know, the one for me to address. Brandon is saying, why does Dak struggle with man coverage when he struggles to see wide receivers open? You'd think that he'd struggle more with his own, with his vision slash hesitation tendency. What's that say about our wide receivers ability to win one-on-one? Yeah. You know, that's the, um, Dak deep, Dak intermediate, not as good, but Dak deep, good. You know, when you do have a little bit of separation, ball placement, stuff like that, you go all the way back seven years and watch Dak Prescott play at Mississippi State. You go back and you talk to, to uh, the, the coaches there at Mississippi State, Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen had to be convinced that Dak Prescott was worth a scholarship. Uh, you know, there's been times where Dak has not been as accurate as he needs to be. There's people that say Dak can't throw receivers open. You know, that's – that's what separates the elite ones from the guys that are in the top 10 still. You know, Dak's a top 10 quarterback, no doubt about it. But those elite ones at the top of that board, the accuracy, the ability to hit them on the wide receivers on the move, I think tells a lot. And Dak's game hasn't always shown that. And I think that's the the, the problem is that Dak with the vision – you know, you brought up a great point, and, I, and I've used it before about that that Washington game where he just threw that linebacker to hold the ball right to Holcomb. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, why didn't he see him? And, you know, those are the kinds of mistakes. There's every once in a while, Dak will have that one where he doesn't see it, but when he when he but when it has to make a tight window throw, there's just not that confidence. That I mean, it's it, it's gotten better. But still, it's just that little bit of hesitation. Remember the breakdown from the ESPN, you know, uh, the Fowler report where they were talking to scouts and one of the evaluators made a thing about the extra little bit of hes- the little bit of hesitation. That's yeah. the difference between the that's the difference between the Aaron Rodgers and the Mahomes and, and the Brady's and those guys. There's not that extra little bit of hitch. There's that throw it. And if it's there, it's there. And, you know, Dak, there's still that problem there. And I, I think it, it's just it's it's trying to be so fine when your whole life you've been just an OK passer. Now, he's got he's gotten far better as a passer with the Cowboys than he was at Mississippi State. Far better. Devel- I mean, I mean, just it, it's not even it's like night and day. But there's still that little bit of not being totally sure. 
that separates him from the top quarterbacks. And if he can eliminate that not being sure, then we will talk about Dak Prescott, not for his salary, but how he's throwing receivers open and how he's accurate throwing the football. Do you think uh, it was a bad move for Dak's development when Mike McCarthy didn't retain John Kitna? Because that was a big thing that Kitna would preach to Dak was trust what you see and throw it. And and I think we saw him play the most aggressive style of ball we've seen him play where he was just throwing what he saw, uh, I think, was 2019 when he was here with Kitna. And he, he had a lot of success in 2019. So do you think that was a a bad move for his development, the fact that they didn't keep Kitna when McCarthy came on? Yeah, I think there's a couple. You know, the one thing that Mike McCarthy has failed at is that the coaches that he initially brought on defensively, majority of them were fired. They had to go out and get a whole new, you know, Dan Quinn fell in their lap. Yep. That's a blessing. Dan Quinn then brought along guys. George Edwards was on the staff. You know, George Edwards is an outstanding coach. I've been with him. He is very, very good at his job. But now you're you're looking at a situation where maybe Mike McCarthy's like, listen, I don't want to keep Kitna because I've got young Kellen Moore. And I don't think John Kitna was going to step on Kellen Moore's toes. I think yeah. he was going to help Kellen Moore. I think he was going to be able to help him with – Basically, kind of a similar guy. John Kitna has had a better career as an NFL quarterback than Kellen Moore. But that could have been, I think that could have been a really good sounding board for him. You know, John Kitna is very much a a, a technique-driven guy. But he's also very good mentally. I, I just know that my time early covering the team when John Kitna was a quarterback, I'd never seen a, Tony Romo wished that he had the charisma of John Kitna because John Kitna was able to play dominoes with some part of the team. He was able to lead Bible study with another part of the team. People gravitated towards him, you know, and he had that ability to, to take the room, you know, with him and Romo never had that, but, but see, that's how, that's how Kitna teaches. You got Dak. People believe in Dak. Teammates believe in Dak. Yeah. Jason Witten believes in Dak. Des Bryant believed in Dak. You know, they all believed in him. But the thing about it is there's the things that technically you see Doug Nussmar try to do, and you're like, okay, does it translate to the game? Yeah, sometimes, but not all the time. And I think that's kind of where you know, they miss John Kitten a little bit. Brian, it's uh it's been fun. We we've figured out this roster. We've answered a couple of questions. Now we just gotta make sure that uh, you know, we get on this plane and it actually lands uh in Oxnard. But uh we'll be out there uh knocking out a bunch of podcasts, trying to grab a bunch of our our, our friends. Uh I'm looking forward to getting out there, seeing these practices and uh, you know, just overreacting to everything that we see. We'll totally overreact and we'll be here to talk about it. And, uh, and and really do appreciate everybody out there that that listens to the podcast when it gets posted. Uh, it means the world to Bobby and I that uh, that we have folks that care as much about this. And then, like you say, the podcasts go now from the two to the three. So we'll give yep. you an extra one and we'll, we'll put our eyes on it and promise to have some really good guests along the way for everybody to, to kind of break this team down a little further. So really, really excited about that. Bobby, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a little bumpy over Arizona. It'll be a little bumpy. Yeah, it'll be a little bumpy. So don't worry about it. You get through Arizona, you'll be fine. 
All right, all right. That, 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 I'll keep that in mind as soon as I see uh, boiling heat in Red Mountains. I know. Yeah, there you go. When you get to that, you get that those with that thermal draft is what they call it. So be careful I'll, of that. Yeah. I'll be clutching the mic basic tightly on that, uh, you know, praying that it, we don't go down. Uh, Brian, I appreciate you. And to all of you, we will talk to you again on Thursday.